Well, good morning, Porter Mountain Fellowship, and on behalf of Arizona Southern Baptist, some 470 churches across our state, I want to say congratulations. Way to go, church. And praise the Lord, what a great accomplishment, what a great day, what a great day to celebrate. And I'm just so thankful for you, thankful for your pastor and his leadership over these years. I got to know Pastor Jim when he was a student at Gateway Seminary. I knew him a little bit before that. Um, Jim, where is Jim? You know who I was thinking about just a minute ago? You know who would really rejoice about today? Bill May. Bill May, the pastor that just kind of recognized that God was calling Jim into ministry and said, look, this is what you need to do. And God used him in a mighty way in your life. And I was just thinking about him as we were singing that song, uh, what a great day. Congratulations. That's, that's so I told Jim, I'm going to start calling you guys the Dave Ramsey Church. You know, <laughs> you, you guys use that snowball method, you know, that he talks about paying off debt. And uh, that's what you did. You rolled everything up and you said, okay, we're going to get this done. So uh, the Dave Ramsey Church, if I can, I'm going to send him a picture of that check. <laughs> see, if, see what he's saying. He, you might be on Dave Ramsey's radio show. That would, that would be awesome. Oh, is that right? That's awesome. Yeah, all right. Praise the Lord for that. So what a great day. I, this, this whole story is so remarkable to me. Just how God planted this church here, how this building came to be, how you guys have used it for ministry, not just here and not just for your own purposes, but for others, Pastor Rogelio and uh, in his church. Our Christian Challenge group every year comes up here to meet and to have their retreat and you guys host them I've been here for that spoken to that group I know how special this church is to Brad Schneeflock and to their leadership uh, and the people at Christian Challenge so just this is such a remarkable story and today is just kind of the capstone of that just say praise the Lord for what he has done here it just kind of reminds me of the story of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16 now, while you're finding that passage in Acts 16, let me just kind of set this up for you. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas had gone on a mission trip, and they had gone all over this area of Asia Minor and pre pre preached the gospel and led people to Christ and saw God do some amazing things in those places. And they came back and they shared that with the church at Antioch, and there was great rejoicing. They just celebrated what God had done. And then they went down to Jerusalem. They shared with them, this is what God has done. And there was this big issue that they faced. Okay, what are we going to do about all these Gentile people that are coming into the church? What are we going to ask of them? What's going to be required of them? They had a big discussion about that. And they had debate and, you know, theological issue going back and forth. They came to a conclusion about that. No, these people are saved by grace just like we're saved by grace. And we're just going to require of them what we believe God requires of all of us. And, uh, and so they wrote a letter and they sent Paul back out and said, okay, you go deliver this decision to the churches. And so in Acts chapter 16, Paul is beginning this, what we call the second mission journey, his, his second mission trip out there. The reason why that reminds me of you guys is because you've come through this time together where you've been facing this challenge You've, uh, you've been able to see God work in a remarkable way. Now you're celebrating that together. 
You're telling that story. You've, you've encountered this big question of how are you going to pay this off? What, do you, what, what means are you going to use? You've seen God just do, do all of that. So you've faced these challenges and now you're embarking now into another chapter. Make no mistake about it. This church has now entered a new phase. This is, this is a new day. And I know you've got some things you want to do right away. You want to, you want to do that. But, but now's the time for you to be thinking about, okay, where is God leading us next? What is it that God wants us to do now? Now, the good news about that is that during this time, you have never stopped doing ministry. You've been ministering all the way through, facing this challenge, paying off this debt, doing these things. You've been ministering, reaching out to your community, using this building for ministry. I happen to know, because I kind of keep record of these things, that your church gave almost $5,000 last year to missions through the cooperative program. So you didn't stop doing that stuff to get this done. You've been ministering all the time. But this is a new chapter. It's a new phase, and, and now it's time for you to catch a vision. What does God want you to do next? And that's kind of where we find the Apostle Paul in this passage, in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to go down through verse 9. Catching a vision for the future. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So, the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygia and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to us from this portion of your word. Help us, Lord, to see what you have in store for us, to catch the vision. Lord, we thank you and we celebrate what you have done here in the past. We pray that, Lord, now you would lead us into the future that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great story this is. Paul is beginning this second mission journey. He has chosen a new partner. Silas is going with him. And he comes to this town called Lystra. And it's very clear to him, God is speaking to him about this young man named Timothy. That Timothy is supposed to come with them. And so he invites him to come. Now, I just want you to think about this for just a moment. This is totally an aside. But, but 
Think about if you were Timothy's mom or Timothy's dad. And here's this preacher. He comes to town and says, Hey, I, I want your son to go with me on this mission trip. And um, I don't know where we're going. Um, I don't know how much it's going to cost. Um, I don't know when we're going to be back. In fact, you may never actually see your son again. And actually, from what we have in Scripture, we don't know that Timothy ever did come back to Lystra. Ever. Boy, those were some brave parents. They either had strong faith in God or they just wanted to get rid of him, one or the other. But, but the truth is, Timothy's life was changed by this experience. It's very clear to Paul. God, God had spoken to him about Timothy coming with him, and so he continues on this way. And it says they were going through the cities, they were delivering these decrees, they were preaching the gospel. And verse 5, the verse you read just a few moments ago, the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Now, the, the thing I want to pause and say here is that, that as we're seeking God's vision for the future, we never stop doing what God has clearly set out for us to do. We continue in the ministry and the mission that God has given us because that never changes. The ministry is the same. The mission is the same. The methods may differ. The direction may be somewhat unclear at times. But our mission remains the same. So even while you're thinking about, okay, what is it that God wants us to do next? What, what direction does He want us to go? What ministry does He want us to start? What what resources do we need for that ministry? Does, does God want us to, to build another building so that we can provide space for a new ministry? Does He want us to plant another church? Does, what does He want us to do? Even while you're seeking God, you're continuing the mission and the ministry that God has given to you. That doesn't change. That's what Paul was doing. The result of that was the churches were being strengthened and people were being added to the Lord. Their numbers were increasing. That's because they were doing two things that were necessary for that mission. They were making disciples, and they were sharing the gospel. Those are the two things that the church is, is about. The two things that we're to be doing. Making disciples, sharing the gospel. And as we're sharing the gospel, we are helping them to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're helping them so that they would be able to live out their faith and then be able to share the gospel with others. So you're always sharing the gospel and making disciples. And that is the same no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter, no matter what the ministries are, they always have to have those two things that are part of that. Making disciples, sharing the gospel. That's our mission. As Paul goes on, things were not quite as clear. Look at verse 6. It says, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Does that cause you some questions? It does me. It raises more questions for me than it answers. What does that mean? They were forbidden to speak the word in Asia. Was, was it God that forbid them to speak the word in Asia? Was it, was it political people that forbid them? What was that about? And how did that take place? 
What did that look like? We're never told that. We're only told that they tried to go in a certain direction and clearly God closed the door. Then look at the next one. In verse 7. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. That's even more clear. God Himself closed that door. He said, you're not going to go to Bithynia. It's, It's not my will for you to go there. Now that's interesting. We always think about God's leadership as what He is telling us to do. But there's sometimes God's Holy Spirit leads us in what we're not supposed to do. And we clearly can't do everything and we clearly can't go everywhere. God wants us to go in a particular direction. And so it was in the Apostle Paul's life. So this second principle I find in this passage is that we need to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And and we don't have to worry or be afraid that we're going to go off into a wrong direction and and, uh, we're going to be somehow out of God's will and it's going to be horrible because God will make that clear to us. He'll close the door. He'll he'll shut that door. He'll he'll make sure that, that that way and that avenue is not going to be open to us if we're sincerely desiring to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But as we do so, God is going to be leading us along. And that's what happens here with the Apostle Paul. So when God closed the door to go to the Phrygian region, God says, way too cold up there in Phrygia. It's too cold. Get that. And when they came to Mysia, he said, if you go to Bithynia, you're going to be missing the mark. Well, what did Paul do? Okay, I'm not supposed to go that way. I'm not supposed to go that way. I'm just going to keep going in the way that God has been leading me. He keeps going in that direction. In fact, he keeps going in that direction until he goes to a place called Troas. Now, Troas, he stops. You know the reason he stops at Troas? Because if you go any further, you fall off into the ocean. All right? That's the Mediterranean Sea. Just, just a little bit of geography there. So he goes to Troas... And then we come to our next principle. Look what he says. They came down to Troas in verse 9, it says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. He comes down to Troas. Paul waits. He waits for God's vision. This principle, I think, is very important. Because I think there is a time that we need to just wait. Let God work. Let God show us what it is He wants us to do. Let us us take some time and pray and seek God. And that's what He's doing there. And as He's waiting, God sends this vision. Now this is another very interesting verse to me. I don't know if you noticed this or not. It says, this vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, never told who that is, standing and appealing to him in this vision, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And then in verse 10 it says, and when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's the first time in the entire book of Acts 
that the first person plural or singular is used. What that means is that the person who's writing this book has now joined the party. He's now part of the group. And unless you come to the conclusion that Paul himself is writing this book, which is very unlikely, it means that this person who is now writing the story is now part of this missionary team. Now from from all the study that we can do and all the background that we can gather, we know that that is the Apostle Luke. It is Luke, the writer of the Gospel. It is Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. He's been describing this as saying, they did this, and this is what happened to them, and he did this, or he went there, or they did this. And now he says, we went, concluding that God had called us to preach the Gospel to them. Now it's for that reason... It's for that reason that I believe there's a hint here in the text. I believe Luke is the man of Macedonia. And I think that when they got to Troas, they began to talk. And I think Luke met them there. Luke was a believer. He had heard the gospel. And I think when he he began talking with Paul, he began sharing with him, listen, listen, the area where I'm from is an area called Macedonia. And I'm telling you, nobody there is preaching the gospel. Nobody there has heard the gospel. I'm telling you, you must come over and help us. Those of us who know the Lord, they are doing our best, but we are are in desperate need of your help. Come over and help us. Preach the gospel to people who have never heard it. And I believe that vision that God gave the Apostle Paul was enhanced, was facilitated by this relationship with Luke. And I believe that now, Luke is joining their missionary band and they're going over to Macedonia. Do you know what's so significant about that? Do you know why they were forbidden to go to Asia? Why the Lord said no to go to Bithynia? Because God knew that a brand new continent needed to hear the gospel. There were people in Asia that already knew the gospel. They had already heard the gospel. Cities like Iconium, Lystra, Derby, they needed to send out missionaries to, from those places. But Europe, Europe was a brand new place. And think about the implications of what happens in this passage of Scripture. That because God sent them across to Macedonia, because God gave him a vision of, Macedo- of this man of Macedonia, perhaps because God sent Luke to tell him about this great need, that the gospel comes to Europe and now comes to cities like Athens and Rome, and from there spreads to the entire continent of Europe so that the gospel came to people who then came to this country, and you and I heard the gospel because God gave Paul a vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Just think about what happens in this verse. It's dramatic. And this vision for the future was no small thing. Because the implications were huge. Think about the vision that God has for you for the future. I love what Kevin said a few moments ago. Because Kevin, you didn't say, you know what, we need a new building because we just need, we just need more space. You said, there are more people in this place that need to be reached. We need to reach children. We need to reach young people. We need to reach more people. And reaching more people 
may mean that you need to have more space to reach those people. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe it means you need to go plant a church somewhere. I don't know what the answer is. But the mission is we've got to reach more people with the gospel. And if a building is the resource that you need, then build a building. If a new church is what you need to do that, then go plant a new church. Whatever it takes, get the gospel to people who have not heard it. Catch the vision that God has for the future. And God will give you that vision. Now the truth is, sometimes God uses a person. I believe God used the Apostle Luke right here in this passage. Used him to communicate to Paul and to that team about that great need. And there could be that even within this congregation or in this community, God's going to raise up someone that's going to speak into your life as a church and you're going to catch a vision. Sometimes God uses a person. Sometimes God uses a need. Sometimes the church is aware that there's a great need and and that becomes the the beginning of a new mission, a new ministry, or, or a new place that's needed for ministry. Sometimes it's people that God brings to your church. There's a great model for this. It has been around for years, and you may have gone through this as a church, but it's Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. This might even be a good time for you guys to go through that. Because what Henry Blackaby says is, God is at work. He, it's, it's not that God is waiting for us to do something to be at work. God's already at work in this community. And our job as his people is to find where he's working and join him in that work. And sometimes God makes that known to us by who he brings to the church. Sometimes he makes that known to us by needs that are right present in the community. But as we see God working and as we see how he is leading, then we begin to catch the vision that that he has for that future. Wait for God's vision. When Paul caught that vision, it says immediately, immediately we concluded that God had called us, called us to preach the gospel to them. That's the goal. Preach the gospel, make disciples. That's God's vision. My prayer for you is, you'll catch that vision that just as you have done for these last many years, that you will, you will carry that vision out and that you will see God do even greater, even more amazing things than what He has already done. Let's catch God's vision for the future. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You for this church, for what You have done here, for the people who have come to know You here through the ministry of this church, for the disciples that have been formed. Lord, for the for the ministries that have been carried out through and in this church and through this place, this place that has become such a a significant place of ministry. Lord, I, I celebrate and thank you for what you have done here in this place. Now, Lord, I pray, as this church begins this, this new chapter in their life, that, Lord, you would make the vision clear That, Lord, you would lead them every step of the way. That you would show them, Lord, when when perhaps the the direction is not the direction you want them to go, but that, Lord, they will keep going and that, Lord, you will show them clearly what that vision is. And, Lord, through it all, I pray that they would continue in the mission and the ministry that you've called them to, to share the gospel and make disciples so that the church can be strengthened and people 
can come to know Jesus. We pray this in His name and for His glory. Amen. Pastor. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.